Good evening, everyone. It's the uh, annual Necromaniacs Halloween hoedown with all three of us <laughs> on the line together. So how's it going, fellas? Going good. Uh, yes, it's the, the Halloween special, uh, as they say on South Park. Um, it's going great. Uh, looking forward to this. You know, uh, always good to get the whole gang together. Yep. I like to refer to it as a Halloween hoedown. Hoedown. Hoedown is good, too, you know? Yeah, it fits. It, uh, it brings to mind the Old West and hoes, so it's good. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So before we really get rolling, let's let's shout everyone out. Of course, you know, mm -hmm. this this uh this crew is part of a larger crew, a larger gang of podcasting elitists, the podcasting Illuminati, if you will. And of course, I'm referring to the horsemen of the podcasting apocalypse. So how do we kick the week off, fellas? Well, on on Monday, let's see, I'm gonna throw it to I'm gonna stump Jeff. Jeff, what do we have on Monday? We have a uh, horror wolf six 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 from that's Brandon right. <laughs> and on Tuesday we have the mighty into the necrosphere with Jackie Smith giving you all of your metal needs. On Wednesday, Mike Hill, who do we have? We have everything went black, and I've uh, got some really cool guests coming up. The Adams family are returning. Examine new movie coming out, so they're nice. going to be on, on the show again. And it's always a pleasure talking to them. So that's an upcoming episode. And uh, yeah, just continuing, uh, you know, the mayhem, you know. Yeah, uh, that was a great episode with uh, Ed McNamara, who wrote the uh, Brooklyn Hardcore book. Uh, everybody check out that book if you have not. Uh, on Thursday, while you're listening to it right now, it is the Necromaniacs podcast, the greatest horror podcast in this world and Earth 2 as well. Uh, who do we have on Friday, Mr. Hill? On Friday, we have Spitball Media. See, I got it right this time. And that, of course, <laughs> brought, to you, brought to you by uh, your brother, John Draper. That's right. Spitting the balls of media. Uh, Saturday, take the day off. But on Sunday, we have Carl Haikara's incredible Soul Knox podcast. But wait, there's more. Mr. Hill, tell him who else we got. Lurking in the shadows, Iblis Manifestations coming at you pretty much whenever Cheyenne decides that it's time to deploy a new episode on you. And he just emerges from the shadows and says, behold, a new episode <laughs> of Iblis Manifestations. That's right. He's uh, he's my new Facebook friend. So shout out to uh, Cheyenne. All right. Cheyenne, Cheyenne's going to be returning to Everything Went Black uh, next month. I, I had him on earlier, like a, maybe a year and a half ago. And um, mm -hmm. he's coming back next month to talk. So I'm looking forward to that. Excellent. Uh, wanted to ask you guys, um, have you checked out uh, Fall of the House of Usher on Netflix? Watching it right now. Yeah, I have as well. Not right this second, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we just started it a couple days ago, and we only have uh, two episodes left. Have Ooh. you guys finished it? I have. I have finished it uh, in, in record time. Usually I take these things a little slower. But I was so into it. I was just like, you know, staying up late on weeknights when I had work in the morning because I wanted to, you know, to devour it. But yeah, I won't say too much more, but yet, but uh, I really love it. And I'm, I'm kind of placing it literally like right under midnight mass for me of, of all of the Flanagan stuff. So, yeah, love it. It's I so far it. my favorite thing he's done. 
Mm. I started it and I think it's really awesome. And um, definitely not a, a straight up uh, adaptation of Fall of the House Usher, but it's sort of like an aggregate of a bunch of Pose stuff kind of thrown in there. Yeah, and it, in a weird way, I'm getting I'm getting um, secession vibes. Yeah, it's the it's a horror succession in some and definitely in some ways. Um, yeah, it's funny you say that, Mike, because uh, my step former stepdaughter uh, texted me to tell me she was watching it, and she said it's like secession meets uh, Final Destination. <laughs> yes, wow, that's good. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I. The way I'm understanding it is, is not a direct adaptation of Fall of the House of Usher, but using that as more of a kind of a, a wraparound mm -hmm. yeah. uh, to tell other sort of adaptations of, of Poe tales. Like, I, I didn't catch on right away, but I remember in like episode two or three, I'm like, oh, this is, you know, the Black Cat. This is the the, the murder in the Rue Morgue. And I'm like, I look at the episode titles. Oh, right. Exactly. <laughs> kind of clever. It's exactly those things. Yeah, definitely a clever way of doing it. And I can't take credit for the succession, uh, you know, uh, vibes because uh, my, my girlfriend, actually, she was a big succession fan and we were watching it together. And she's like, this is like a like a gothic version of succession. And I was like, mm. you know what? I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, that's a good call. But I think we're all Poe fans here. So uh, mm -hmm. I, this is one of the better adaptations of his work. I mean, not a direct adaptation, but it has... It has that Poe feel to it, that just gothic dread. Mm. Uh, really enjoying it. I'm not a big Mike Flanagan fan, as you guys know. I didn't care for Midnight Mass. Um, <laughs> so I went in a little bit skeptical to this. But, uh, man, I just, yeah, we're finishing it tonight when I get home from work. And it's I'm very, very excited. Cool, cool. Uh, yeah, Carl Cugino is fucking incredible. And Bruce Greenwood is incredible. So, uh yeah, Listeners, yeah. Uh, check it out if you have not. So yeah, um, yeah. One thing I want to uh, Frank he replaced Frank Langella, that uh, actor you just mentioned, yes. and I'm having a really hard time picturing Frank Langella in that role. Yeah, um, he's uh, he's like 15 years older than Bruce Greenwood. Actually, it would have been really interesting to see that Langella is an old guy. So uh, he's yeah. 85. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's and he had some kind of weird me too ish moment. That's why he got kicked off the show. I don't know. He he said or did something that I don't even really know what he did, but nevertheless, he was removed from the show. Um, but yeah, would have been a different show entirely with him, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, and, and it wouldn't have made a lot of sense. You know, he, I, I'm assuming the uh, uh, Roderick Usher has got to be somewhere in his late 60s, early 70s. Right. I was like, oh, so Frank Langella would be playing younger, and I think he's, they're, they're twins, the brother and sister, right? Um, if they're not twins, they're like a year apart or something like, but very close. Okay. Very close All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think it was maybe a blessing in disguise, um, hmm. for him getting the axe because uh, that act. What's his name? Bruce what? Bruce uh, Greenwood. Yeah, he's great. He's re he he's is. really good. Yeah. All right. All right. Anything else you guys have been checking out? You know, it's just the Halloween season, so there's a tons of. I'm sure you guys are all watching good movies recently. Yes, yeah, that was good. I watched um, the uh, Frankenstein meets the Werewolf, uh, the uh, Universal film, which I I'd actually never seen that one before. It's actually it's it's interesting because you have Lon Chaney as as the Wolfman, but you you don't have Karloff as Frankenstein. You have this other dude who is really sh kind of short and has a very odd face 
So it's it's a weird thing, but the movie itself is still really good and has like this kind of downer ending. But uh, yeah, that's what we watched the other night. Nice. Um, I watched The Boogeyman from this year last night. Hmm. Did you guys see that? Not yet. I watched it. I saw it in the theater. Oh, that's right. Did you like it? Um, like it. I mean, let's put it this way. I didn't dislike it. You know what I mean? So, but it, it was like, there are things about it I thought were pretty cool. Um, some of it, you know, was it, it's hard to say if I enjoyed it or not. You know what I mean? It's one of those movies. Yeah. I, I didn't care for it. Um, it's a big step up the director who just did da- dash cam. So it's definitely better than that. <laughs> uh, but I did, I did not enjoy it. Uh, it was better than I was expecting, but it, it sort of turned, it was very just routine PG 13 horror movie that you would expect to come out the first week of January, mm. you know, um, like 10 years ago. Uh, it was a little bit better than that, but it had just had too much of that, like been there, done that, that feel to it. Um, I think it made a bunch of money, so we'll probably get a sequel. But you know, I don't know. What this year has been a little dismal. What service is it on? Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> I, oh, I don't remember where I watched it. <laughs> I do yeah. want to see it. I like the trailer. Uh, that's what got me excited about it months back. Um. But yeah, I want to see that, and I want to see uh, I want to see Talk to Me. There's a couple of the new ones that I want to see that I've heard are just okay, which seems to be theme this year for movies being okay. It's okay. It's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, uh, Talk to Me. There's a lot of hype about that. I saw it in the theater, and I swear to God, I'm not a contrarian. Uh, I did not like it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I wanted to. I mean, people are raving about it. You have Joe Rogan tweeting about it or something, saying this what, is the scariest movie he's seen forever. What does that guy know about anything, man? Yeah. <laughs> he just knows how to like. He knows like how to leg lock people, and that's about it, really. He, 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 back he knows about being. He knows about being successful. Uh, there's that. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. you know what I'm that. looking forward to is uh, there's a film called Where Where Evil Lurks, which is about yeah, to yeah. drop any minute now. And it's from mm-hmm. the same guy who did Terrified from a few years ago. So that one looks really promising to me. Yeah, I want to see that too. Yeah. What were you going to say, Jeff? You were going to add something else. I, I, don't, I don't remember. <laughs> before I rudely it's okay. cut you off. <laughs> no, was right. I was probably going to talk more shit about Talk to Me. Uh, we, we, sh- we should cover that before the end of the year because I'd be really curious to what you, either you guys think of that. Um, did not like it. This year has just been... It just hasn't been good for horror, man. Like, I usually by this point, I'm editing down to like five or six movies, and right. I'm struggling to find five that really blew me away. Hmm. Yeah, it that definitely seems to be it. But uh, on the on the more mainstream side, there's quite a few things I want to see. I want to see Kills of the Flower Moon that yeah. came out yesterday or Friday. Uh, I want to see Ferrari. I want to mm-hmm. see. I want to see Napoleon uh is so that's kind of cool i mean it, it, it seems like some real movies are, are making a comeback in, in in a way very true and you have a new uh um david fincher flick uh the killer killer yeah that's another one i want to see so yeah i mean you know sometimes when one genre is up another is down and uh it is what it is as they say it happens it happens <laughs> I recently uh, watched The House by the Cemetery, which is on Shutter right now, the full G film. Nice. So yeah. good. 
And I have first time ever tapped out on American Horror Story. I just cannot bring myself to watch another episode of it. Man. Whoa, really? Yeah, I, and I'm like, a, you know, a, 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 you know, an apologist for that show. You know what I mean? Mm. But I just can't, dude. It's just so bad. And uh, <laughs> they have like some discount Evan Peters playing in it too. Mm. Like some, it's like Evan Peters is busy, so they got a guy who kind of looks like him, but not really in the film. And then there's the uh, the real doll, uh, Kim Kardashian, like. In the film. <laughs> And it's like, it's funny because like she's in all these, she's in all these like um, scenes with, with Emma Roberts and like one looks like an actual person. Right. And the other one looks like a, like an Android or some weird <laughs> sort of like simulation of a person, you know? What is this season's plot in a couple sentences? It has to do with like, it, to me, what it seems like it's going is like a Rosemary's baby kind of thing. Okay. Which is awesome. That's a great idea. You know, yeah. they riff on they riff on these classic ideas and these concepts, and they usually do a halfway decent job. I mean, they're varying degrees of success over the years. I thought the New York City one was really good last year. Yeah, we dug it. We yeah. dug it hard. Yeah, it was brutal, yeah. dark. Okay. Yeah. But this it's just a this year is just a failure, man. I think they should just like stop doing them now. You know, they're not going to get the cast right, and the writing sucks, and like all that stuff. You know. Hmm. Funny, my girlfriend is downstairs watching that right now as we were uh, recording this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of the show. I I don't hate it or anything. I just haven't seen much of it. I can't I can't back it fully. I mean, I, I I like it. I like watching it every year. It's part of like my annual thing around this time of year. But I I really cannot like definitively say that I like it. You know what I mean? I'm not, I, if someone doesn't like it, I understand. You know what I mean? Mm. It's like one of those things. You know what I mean? Yeah, but um, on the on the book side of things, the the re reprint of uh, Noctuary and Spectral Link by Thomas Ligotti just arrived in my mailbox the other day, and uh, that was brought to us by uh, Shiroptera Press, who's uh, an arm of Cadabra Records. So uh, they've been they've been uh, re reprinting a lot of this classic Ligotti uh, material and some new stuff by him too. Like his poetry just came out a few months ago, and uh, I can't. I haven't dug. I haven't dug into it yet. It literally just arrived, and it's uh, got an incredible uh, uh, cover by Paul Romano, the famous uh, you know artist there, Paul Romano. And right. it's just a really nice package. I'm really looking forward to reading it again. That's amazing. Speaking of uh, uh, books, I saw that. Um, I was waiting for this to happen. Uh, Heat two is finally in paperback, so I, I'm going to get it and and read it um i'm a big heat fan you know michael mann the the action oh, yeah. from uh, 1995 um then there's another book I, I i wanted to check out that i've been also waiting for it to come out in paperback which is the quentin tarantino film book but then i saw that that's not going to be in paperback till april of next year even though the book has been out for quite a while so i was like oh, mm. that, that's annoying I'm trying to stay away from certain hardcovers, guys, in case you're, you know, yeah, figure it I was going to, I was going to ask why waiting for, for paperback. Um, weight, uh, issues and, you know, carrying on the, the trains, the simplicity, uh, when I have to move less hardcovers are better, let's just say things like that's that. A, that's a good point. When I used to tour all the time, uh, I would only take, uh, you know, paperbacks cause that mm -hmm. very reason. Yeah. I should have realized that. It was a stupid question. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Because some people insist on the opposite. They want the first 
the hardcover first run, whatever. But I may waver and just grab the Tarantino anyway because now, of course, the, it's the, the price is dropping. But uh, mm. I think that's a fucking really cool book, by the way. Yeah, yeah I like to read both cool. of those. Yeah. Mm. So we got a bunch of voicemails uh, this week, and if you guys want to call in on the Necrophone, of course, that's nine zero eight nine one three zero seven eight two nine zero eight nine one three. 0782. And I got to be honest with you guys, I really appreciate all of the calls, all the callers. And, you know, it, the support has been awesome. And yeah. I look forward to hearing from everybody every week, man. So keep them coming. Mm, absolutely. So, first up, we got our buddy Mike from Telford, PA. And uh, Mike's always, you know, always Mike. Mike. I look forward to hearing from him every week, you know, and if not, it feels weird to not hear from him sometimes, you know what I mean? He might take <laughs> Yes. You know, the guy, he's got, I know he's got a life, you know, he's got a life to lead, but, you know, I want to hmm. hear from him every week, you know, I want to stay in touch, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, man. Yo, Necro Hoods. It's Mike from Telford. Just got done listening to the VHS episode. I haven't seen any of those flicks, but I always enjoy the episode, so I'll have to check some of them out, uh, I'm here in upstate New York. It's my mother's. It was my mother's birthday today. I'm out here in the garage listening to a little Universe Zero. And uh, just watched a movie called Beware My Brethren. It's an early 70s movie, British movie. It's also known as The Fiend. Uh, it was pretty cool. Patrick McGee plays like a fucking cuckoo priest in that movie. But uh, it's definitely worth checking out if you haven't seen it. Uh, there's a lot going on up here right now. And... I'm going to miss Oxbow tomorrow down in Philly. So I hope they're fucking awesome when you see him, Mike. Uh, just read Eugene's book in a fucking day. Amazing. I hope there's a part two to that. That guy's a fucking genius. So hope you dudes are all right. Look forward to next week. And uh, that's it. Short and sweet this week, guys. Appreciate everything. Take her easy. Later. All right. So Mike's up in upstate New York. Um, mm -hmm. You know, uh, the Eugene Robinson book, his book also arrived the other day. His biography. Yeah, I'm forward to that, you know. And uh, you know, um Brethren, I'm not familiar with that. Have you guys familiar with Beware My Brethren, that movie? No. No, but if he's recommending it and if it's from that the wheelhouse that we enjoy, then uh I will check it out. Is the is the Eugene book like basically like a bio, like a biography? Yeah, it's a bio, it's just autobiography that goes oh, to yeah. period cool. of time. Okay. You know, is it soft cover? Hey, <laughs> hey! He's I'm waiting for the book to come out. Jeff, <laughs> you'd be nice. Right. And uh, you know, of course, uh, Oxbow is on tour right now, so make sure you check those guys out. They're playing in Brooklyn, New York tonight. All right, next up, we got Davis from Pittsburgh. Hi, gentlemen. This is Davis calling in from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, been enjoying the show. Uh, the last few, of the uh, ones with. Uh, Let's scare Jessica to death. Lamora, two personal favorites, um, kind of inspired me to call in with some recommendations for some similar type films of that eerie atmosphere. Uh, first would be The Innocence from 1961, and another would be uh, the Don't Be Afraid of the Dark made-for-TV movie from 1973. Uh, I also wanted to bring up the passing of director Jeff Burr. He kind of flew under the radar in our genre. And, um, you know, mostly known for probably Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, uh, a couple Puppet Master movies, Stepfather 2. But uh, he did that anthology movie, From a Whisper to a Scream, which I think was Vincent Price's last 
movie, which is really good. And uh, also Night of the Scarecrow from the 90s. Very cool horror movie. But uh, great show, guys. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Right on, man. So yeah, thank you know that that's awesome that you appreciated. Uh, Let's scare Jessica to death and Lamora. Uh, the Innocence is a movie that I've heard about. Uh, are you guys familiar with the old the, that older film? You know, I I literally see like the box cover in my head. Uh, like I I know what I know the movie that he's talking about, but I have not seen it. No. Isn't there and a newer movie called The Innocence? There, there's a couple of films. There's a there's a, a movie called The Innocence that came out a couple of years ago. It's like black and white. It was on the Arrow service, hmm. and that was really good. But I haven't seen the, this one from the older film. I think it was from the fifties. He said I haven't seen that one. 60, I think sixty something. Or, 60 something. Or, yeah, yeah. I think but, I have uh, it, but never watched it. Hmm. Um, yeah, it was on my radar for sure. I, I really gotta gotta watch that. And of course, uh, the TV movie "Don't Be Afraid of the Dark" is a classic. That's one of my one of my favorites. Probably one of the better television TV movies, you know, ever really in the horror genre. Honestly, mm. that mu- that must have fucking horrified the kids back in the day. Like, I mean, I, I saw it many years after the fact because I think when it, I think it's the early early seventies, and I was just too young that came out, or maybe mid, and I was still too young. But seeing that as it aired must have been insane. <laughs> yeah, that and like trilogy of terror. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and, and of course uh my, my parents taking me to go see The Exorcist at a very young age was a <laughs> wow. intense experience for me. <laughs> I, I do have a great TV horror memory, which is one of my favorite, and it's the uh on CBS Dark Night of the Scarecrow, watching that at about ten years old or whatever, at nine or ten, I can't remember. Oh my god, that, that was so fucking scary as a kid. Yeah, totally. Uh, it doesn't quite hold up, does it? But it's still like great you know what i mean mm. yeah yeah and of course let's uh let's you know give respect to uh the late jeff burr who recently passed and um that seems to be he's a guy that kind of slips by a lot of people but yeah let, let's give a little respect for him no totally totally all right p next up we got dave from razor e to metal page on instagram and um you know he's a guy who's been around I'm, you know he's, he's yeah. checked him out i've liked yeah, a lot yeah. of stuff on his page you know and uh, thanks for the support, Dave. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Hey, what's up, Necromaniacs? It's your buddy Dave over at the Razor Eater Metal page on Instagram. Just wanted to touch base as I haven't touched base in a little while. Um, hadn't watched anything new in a little while as well. Um, but last night, my wife and I went out, a little date night, um, and we watched the new song that we saw X. Or is it Saw 10? I don't even know. There's so many of those movies. But um, did enjoy it, I must say. It was one of the the better films in that franchise for sure. Um, Good practical effects, good gore. uh, And actually pretty decent storyline. Definitely better than uh, the previous one, Jigsaw. And uh, definitely holds up better than some of the ones that came later in the series as well. Um, so if you guys ever get the chance to check that one out, definitely recommend it. Um, I did revisit and rewatch the uh, original Exorcist a few weeks back. And uh, that's the GOAT in my eyes. I think uh, it's the greatest of all time. It has to be. Um, still holds up. Still creeps me out to this day. Still freaks me out. And... Uh, 
Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing you guys' thoughts on uh, Exorcist Believer. I haven't gotten a chance to see it yet. I was talking to Carl. He said he saw it and uh, shared his thoughts with me. Um, yeah, I'm still torn, judging by the uh, the trailers for it. So looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say. Hopefully I get a chance to see it before you guys cover it. And, uh, yeah, just wanted to say, hey, loving the episodes as usual. And uh, big cheers to all you guys. Have a good one. Bye. So, yeah, Saw X. Uh, Jeff, did you say you just saw that? I did. Yeah, yeah. I watched it uh, a few nights ago. Um, I mean, how do you guys feel about the Saw movies? Are you fans? Is there anyone in particular that stands out to you as being good? I saw the first three in the theater. With my brother John, actually, we saw we we would we you know it was our little thing for a while, and I, honestly, I don't remember anything after that. Mm-hmm. And I I almost struggled to remember the first three. It's like it's a franchise that has is beloved by some, but for me, it's almost like a I don't know. It's like a throwaway franchise. I mean, yeah. I don't. It's not terrible though. It's not terrible. It's it's cool. Like it, it's like it's. There are far worse horror films. I think there are worse franchises, but it's I don't know. It's um, it just it's just kind of there for me. Yeah, I'm not a fan. Uh, I, I haven't liked any of the ones I saw, and uh, you know, I, I I watched the Chris Rock one that came out a couple of years ago, and mm-hmm. I you know heard this is different. This is going to be something different, and it's good. And I disagreed, and then I started to see the reviews for Saw X trickle in. I'm like wow, it's got like seventy something percent of Rotten Tomatoes. The horror fans are talking about this is the best one. So I thought I'd give it. I thought I'd give it a shot, and. Yeah, not for me. Starts off pretty strong, mm-hmm. uh, and then just turns into a saw movie. And they somehow made uh, the jigsaw killer like the, the the moral center of the film, which I <laughs> found a little confusing. Um, and this is a prequel too. I think it takes place after the second one or the third one. You know, I don't quite quite. Well, he dies in the third one, but spoiler. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so it's a prequel because he's still alive. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it was just another Saw movie. And those movies are just an excuse for, you know, clever traps, murder, violence. I, I don't think there's a lot of uh, artistry to it whatsoever. It seems to have the most in common with like something like Friday the 13th, you know, that was sort of cynically made as a, you know, a way to get butts in seats in the theater. Right. And right. Th- th- this feels very, that that's what Saw is to me. Just I'm just not a fan. They're not for me. Yeah, I saw the first couple. The first one I thought was entertaining. Um, I haven't seen the Chris Rock one. That doesn't look interesting to me at all. And um, but I gotta say that I don't know. Like I'll pro- I probably will see Saw Ten or X, whatever it's called, mm-hmm. just because uh, you know it seems like something that eventually will will end up drifting into my viewport at some point. But so we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I, I take a new Saw, like I take a new Scream movie. Um, it, it's not a priority. It's not like a priority to watch. Like, you know, like right. I'll, I'll get around to it. I have not seen anything beyond Scream 4, I think, at this point, or 3. And it's just something I just, I don't know. It, it, it's not like, it's not my go-to. And I've heard these good things about some of these later Scream ones, but it's just, I don't know, man. There's too many good movies from the 70s and 80s to enjoy, to waste my time on that, I feel like. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. 
And you can't go wrong with the original Exorcist. That one is just like, you know, classic goat material, you know? Of course. Yeah. yeah. I, I rewatched it uh, a week and a half ago, the original Exorcist. And it's it's funny, although The Shining is, is my number one, uh, The Exorcist is my number two. Exorcist is is a better movie than The Shining, in my opinion. Even though it's it's you know my number two, it's it's just such a good story, and it's just it's like perfect, you know. It's like the mm. it's a perfect film, the original Exorcist, um, which leads us to today's movie. <laughs> you know, I did that, guys. I kind of like you know, yeah, very nice. All these things. I like it. Nice work. Very good. Very very good. <laughs> so that brings us to. The Exorcist Believer, which just was released October 6th, 2023. Mm -hmm. 111 minutes long, directed by David Gordon Green, with screenplay by Peter Sattler and David Gordon Green. So there you go. What what is there to say about this film? Well, uh, as listeners know, David Gordon Green is the man who... Uh, brought us the the, the trilogy of, of you know the Halloween films, which um, coincidentally uh, we had our roundtable discussions for for those films, as as longtime listeners will know. And hey, on paper, uh, this was a very exciting idea. I was all about it. I was into it. I thought, look, although the two of the Halloween films were a bit of you know fumbles, let's just say, I thought. Again, the idea was good, and I, I enjoyed Halloween 2018 quite a bit, actually. Um, and I felt that perhaps this is in competent hands as the direct sequel to just the original Exorcist from, you know, 73. And, you know, we can put everything else on a shelf and l- let's do a follow-up to that movie. And I'm like, on paper, fuck yeah, let's go. But guys, as we know, things do not work out according to plan sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's okay. So we talked a little bit about how we all, uh, you guys just talked a little bit about how you feel about the original Exorcist. Uh, it's a classic movie. It's one of the greats. It's, uh, you know, it has a lot to live up to. If you're going to be a direct sequel to the Exorcist, There's, it comes with a lot of expectations. Yeah. Um, and not only that, like, um, Exorcist 3 is, I think, slowly creeping up to maybe be my favorite of the Exorcist movies. Hmm. So there, there's some there's some good work in there. Uh, Exorcist 2 is one of the worst movies ever made. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. It's wildly, it's insanely bad. Yes. It is. It's so bad, it's it's entertaining. Like, I kind of enjoy watching it as in, a, like, w- w- how did this go so wrong kind of way. And then we have the two prequels that are one movie, but uh, it's a diff- there's two different versions of it. Yeah, and uh, you know, not very good. Um, no, no. And so it, it would seem that there's not a lot of life in in this franchise. Uh, so the studio paying four hundred million dollars to get the rights to the name seemed like a, a, a crazy, crazy idea to me. Yeah, and you would think that they would take all the time and effort in the world in the world to get this a hundred percent right. Right, and there's a lot riding on it, and um, well, I guess we'll discuss. Did they do that? And I think everyone listening knows <laughs> that they they did not. 
No, I think they treated it, uh, by the middle of the movie, it's like, I felt like they, they had treated it like, yeah, it's just another horror movie, whatever. Exorcist, Exorcist, whatever, <laughs> you know? That's the vibe I got from the trailer. I saw the trailer before uh, we saw Talk to Me. And uh, halfway through, I, I dawned on me that this was the Exorcist trailer. <laughs> and I thought, oh, boy, we're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. I mean, have any of you guys seen the TV series that was back in, like, 2016? Yes. I saw season uh, one. I think there was two seasons of it. And I, I'm trying to remember what was going on in my life at that time that I did not – go back to it but i did enjoy season one and that captured the essence of the exorcist way more than this movie did I have to yes, say. That, that's what i was gonna, gonna you know reference that it's like i felt somewhat optimistic when i heard the film was being remade because i know that it's possible that the tv you know the tv series season one specifically really captured the vibe of of, of the whole story you know it had like that blatty like sort of energy to it yeah. So I'm like, oh, you know, maybe, maybe you know, as long as it, I'm, I'm like, okay, cool. They're not remaking it. Like they're not retelling. Right. The story. You right. Know, it's it's a continuation of what happened in the same timeline. Um, but the um, the mistake, the biggest mistake, I think, was the fan service that they did in this in this movie because there there should be no fan service in Exorcist. You know hmm. what I mean? Yeah. It's like yeah, like Father Damien, you know, or, or uh, uh, he's he's dead, you know. <laughs> He comes back, he somewhat comes back in three, you know, he's like reanimated five, you know, like so he's gone. Ellen Burstyn is like a broken person, really in some ways. Her character at the end of the first is like someone who wants to probably distance herself from this whole experience and move on. Yes. You know, she's not like uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's character, you know what I mean? Like Laurie Strode or something, you know? Right. and in in the in believer, they're bringing her back like some kind of Laurie Strode esque character, and I think that was like one of the biggest mistakes they made in the film. And of course, you know, not to spoil anything, but you know, there's another character that shows up at the end that I thought I cringed. It. So I I I physically cringed when that happened. So I'm not gonna. I won't reveal that to anyone out there who hasn't seen it. So yeah, all right. Uh, I but- laughed. I, I just gotta say, I laughed. <laughs> Well, here's the thing. I Chris McNeil, complex character, you know, wonderfully portrayed, you know, by Bernson. Um I think this movie and David Gordon Green, who you would think would understand like the original more and understand the characters more and have a script that lined up with the how they were in the original who the people who they were as people this movie doesn't do that um like you said it turns chris mcneil into like a different person who went out and wrote a book about it and became a crusader about it and lost communication with her daughter about it whereas if you watch the original that's not what this woman would do at all right not at all right yeah and of course she's an actress too as a whole like yes yes Mm mm-hmm yeah. Uh, but she keeps it private. She 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 definitely at the end of that movie, this is something that that woman would take to the grave. I felt like right, like you just it's just kind of the vibe you get from her. What do you think, Jeff? No, I completely agree with that. Um, well, the script is a mess. Like uh, after a while, if you take um, her character out of the movie, it's really not that 
different of a movie. It felt very shoehorned in to connect it to the original. Hmm. I yeah, thought I um, that was the only reason I could see for uh, for keeping her around. Um, you know, I had read that there's some version that they filmed a lot of this before she had even signed on to it. Right. Uh, so yeah. I, I, I'm wondering if the original focus, uh, the focus of the film was her. Um, but yeah, it just, it, it felt like a, an afterthought, like we got to have a callback to the original and, uh, you know, yeah, here, here, here's the mother for literally 10 minutes. Yeah. It's like, did it even need her? I, okay. Let's, let's get to, let's get to the beginning. Let's get to the things that are actually pretty good about the movie. Right. Because I think we all thought that there were some good moments. I definitely did. Yeah. I think the movie starts well. Uh, you know, like it, it kind of harkened to that similar beginning. Uh, there's actually two two things in particular right off the bat that were callbacks to the OG that if you're a big fan of the OG, you might have noticed. Uh, number one was the font uh, on the screen of the lettering for the mm. credits. Did you guys catch that? It's the same font of the original Exorcist, which is cool. And then uh, there's a scene of two dogs fighting. Which is it's literally a, right in the yeah, scene. It's of the first OG. shot of the movie. Yeah. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. So, dude, I'm in the theater. Hey, I, you know, I paid money, went to the theater to see this, like we did. I was, I was like, okay, sick. You know, it has that interesting kind of vibe, like that. You know, with, with like the, the, the scenery in the background and, and the music, and I was optimistic for the beginning. Maybe even the first half hour plus of the movie, which I thought went well. We have uh, new girls and a new possession and you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. And then of course, it, uh, it it loses loses the pot, as they say. Right when the supernatural stuff starts happening is when it, the, the film totally lost me. Because mm. uh, I agree. I thought the first 30 minutes while I was watching it, I thought the first 30 minutes was was pretty solid family drama. Uh, then it kind of turns into a missing person film, almost a little bit like that movie Prisoners. I'm sure you guys have seen that. Hmm. Um, but one thing, you know, since it's been about two or three weeks since, since I've seen it, I did, you know, thinking back about what I liked and what I didn't like. And I was like, yeah, the first 30, 40 minutes is good. But I, I noticed, like, it wasn't really building tension or atmosphere at all like it's just sort of very flat and uninteresting and of course when you go back to the original exorcist and exorcist 3 that's what the whole movie is it's just building this tone of of of, of dread and it's atmospheric you know you feel the weather in in that first exorcist movie you feel yeah. like you know uh every the, the 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 dreariness like this is really lacking that yeah there's no there's no Halloween in Georgetown kind of, you know, walking the streets of what DC moment here. And there's no, like, I don't know. It, it, it doesn't put you in that place that you need to be very well. But I will say that uh, actor uh, Leslie Odom Jr. Was great. Um, yeah. He's almost like too good to be in this movie to, to a degree, because I thought everybody else was really not that great at all, actually. Yeah. What do you think, Hill? Yeah. Right, a couple things here. There is, um, I agree. There's completely no atmosphere in this film. Okay. Mm. Um, getting back to the first Exorcist 1 and 3, both of those stories are small stories. 
You know what I mean? Like especially mm-hmm. even one. It all takes place basically in one room, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, I think, Mike, you touched on it. Um, the O'Neill family would hide this thing. Like, they yeah. would keep it out of the papers. No one would know about it. Just maybe the police, you know? Like, Kinnaman knew about it because he was involved. So, in Exorcist 3, Kinnaman, you know, was aware of the whole case and all this other stuff. You know what I mean? This film, if... I almost felt like if they kind of framed it up almost as like a, almost like a folk horror kind of storyline, because you got these these two girls, they walk in the woods, they find some, you know, cave or whatever, and they come back different, you know, possessed. Departing completely from the, the uh, narrative of the first and the third, I think that would have been a really interesting departure for that and tie in like this demon, you know, with like kind of like uh christian mythology and like some other type of entity you know and be like oh it's you know it's it's this this evil that's out there that possesses these two girls and just completely eschewing anything that has to do with the o'neill family i think that would have been a very interesting place to go with the story Mm -hmm. and like what jeff was saying it's like they just like we need a hook okay great you know, let, let, let's let's connect this to the O'Neill family and all the stuff that happened. But the reality is, like, there's really no story to tell past Exorcist 3 that involves any of these characters. You know what I'm trying right. to say? Yeah. Well, yeah, no, yeah. No, I, I completely agree. Um, another, like, you say there's no story to tell. Like, um, I thought if you're going to connect this to the original Exorcist, make Ellen Bernstein's character the focus of the movie. Make it her point of view and what her life is like now. Um, Hmm. instead this movie has a very weird point of view Um, you have two girls that are possessed Uh, you have some sort of exorcist crew but really the the focus of the movie is is uh, I'm sorry I didn't write down anyone's names Victor's family Victor and his daughter yeah Uh, I I found that to be an odd choice where in the original you have several different points of view you know you start with uh, you know the father in in Iraq and he's uh you know, that wonderful um, opening sequence. And then yeah. you have, you know, Father Karras and you have uh, 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 the McNeil. It has all these different points of view and it sets up all the characters really well. So when everything comes together at, at the end, it's, it, it's satisfying. This is about two possessed girls and we, the movie solely focuses on one family. And for the yeah. life of me, I, I couldn't figure out why. I was like, Maybe there's like a cut of this movie that's an hour longer. That's the only thing I could come up with. I think you're right. I why even have two girls? Number one, makes no it, sense. It should be it should be one girl, mainly because let's see, uh, the movie you're showing to the public treats the other girls a throwaway. <laughs> so it's like yeah, and she 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 you know spoiler alert she doesn't make it. So it's like that was nonsensical. We have a very we have this voodoo angle that is not fully fleshed out, not even really explained. Do we even know the name of this demon? It's not Pazuzu who's who's possessed these girls. So it's like it it's just half a lot of half-assed ideas, okay? And some pretty poor dialogue. Um uh, the one moment of, of Chris McNeil talking about oh, not boy. around in the room because of the patriarchy was absurd she wasn't allowed in the room because she wasn't a priest and no one was allowed in the room 
uh, her, her, you know, was it her butler, her servant? He was a man. He lived in that house. He wasn't allowed in the room. Nobody was allowed in the room because you're not an exorcist and you're not a priest. You know what I'm saying? It's like, come on, you know? Um, and she was yeah. in the room many, many times, obviously, before the final uh, exorcism, as we all know. Um, again, just something I don't think Chris McNeil would have would have said or thought. Uh, but like I said, half-baked ideas. And Jeff, I think you're right. I think there is some some extra footage perhaps somewhere, maybe quite a bit of it, um, that is hopefully fleshes this out. Like, I, I feel like, you know, it's been a few weeks and I'm just like, wait a minute. What, what was the demon? Like, it's just, I don't even remember, you know? Weird. I don't even remember how the kids got possessed. They go in the woods and <laughs> they, they get possessed. It was, yeah. <laughs> I did, I did want to ask about that patriarchy line because I have a feeling that that's a real sticking point for a lot of people. Uh, I wasn't sure what they were trying to say. This movie doesn't seem to have any sort of a, a agenda at, at all. That movie, I mean, that line just was such a bizarre hmm. thing to say. Like, that, like, like you said, she wasn't in the room because she's not an exorcist. I mean, no, those guys belong. Even like, you know, doesn't the father Karis or... One of the like, he kicks out the um, he kicks out one of the uh, Max von Sydow's character kicks out the other priest. He's like you can't handle yes, this. Yes, exactly, exactly. It's it's almost like a spit in the face of the original to have that. I was just very confused by it. It seemed really out of place. I I, I you know <laughs> it, almost like a producer's note, like you know like oh the kids are concerned about the patriarchy. Oh my god, <laughs> guys, can you imagine if Friedkin was alive? And I, so it would have killed him. <laughs> no, but he dude, he was funny as fuck and like big mouth and just said whatever. Oh my god, like it would have been golden. It's yeah, a oh golden man. response to this movie. Would have ripped this to shreds. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know, Mike Hill, if you have any ideas about that line or like I, its inclusion, I, it, it, I found it utterly baffling. It's it's yeah, I feel like I feel like some movie. some like you know producer. You know how like everyone's a producer these days. Like that's like yeah. a, it's like a you know title that people just seem to have. Just like some <laughs> some like you know vegan chick with green hair. You know was like. Yes. <laughs> The patriarchy. We have to. We have to. We have to make a comment on how, like, the patriarchy in the Catholic Church is like uh, behind. Uh, you know, keeping mm. Ellen, Ellen Burstyn's the uh, Chris O'Neill's character out of this thing. You know, and I'm just like, <laughs> I get it. I get it. You know, we live in a world like this is what's going on. But like, you know, we don't need to every angle to be covered in the same light. You know, and it's like, especially this, it's completely irrelevant. It had nothing to do with her being a woman or these guys being men. No, no. Your background in being able to do an exorcism you know and it's like i don't know it's just it's it's heavy-handed i'm over it i don't need to be told things like that you know yeah go, but go you know the, the character after that she feels like uh she can do battle with this demon for for no reason it doesn't set any of that up we don't know really what she's been up to for the last 50 years and you know victor goes he, he hears about this book and he just shows up at Chris McNeil's doorstep, and she's like, "Yeah, okay, sure." That was like, imagine wild. If, you, if you wrote a book wild. and someone yeah. showed up on your doorstep. Like, would you be like, "Yeah, cool, let's go hang out"? <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, "I call the cops on him." Right? That, yeah. better, that needed a better bridging. Like, 
can you can you fathom a movie in the 70s 80s 90s or even early o's where that's the arc like a, like a serious movie or at least something that's taken from a serious source where it's like he reads a book and then gets in his car and goes to her house a complete stranger who is it's just obscene it's obscene like yeah know. she's like fucking drinking whiskey and shit <laughs> and like I mean, yeah, maybe that's it. She was hammered. She's like, "Yeah, I'll get in a car with you." <laughs> that whole, that, even just that whole, that whole thing is like completely out of character for Chris O'Neill. You know, yeah, the actress, the recovered yeah. person who's like recovered from this horrible thing that happened, like you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, however long it was. You know, I just don't see that character writing a book about this. I see that character suppressing this and pushing it way down, and never think wanting to think about it again. I mean, think about it. It's like. If you had like a daughter that was possessed by a demon, you're not going to want to revisit. You're not going to want to like exploit that and write a book about it. Like, how about people commenting about the exploitation of someone of a, of a young person? You know, like right. They comment on the uh, patriarchy. What about a mother exploiting this horrible thing that happened to her daughter and writing a book about it? You know what I mean? That's like, you know, total exploitation. And I just don't see Chris O'Neill's that the character Chris O'Neill doing something like that. And furthermore, making this kind of like cottage industry out of like exploitation, basically, you know, and I, don't, I just don't see that being practical or likely, you know. Yeah, agreed. And and the, the fact that she tries to perform an exorcism herself was yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Ridiculous. And of course, it goes horribly wrong. But uh, I, it was just, I thought it was a betrayal of that character. They really just brought her back to humiliate her almost it, it was yeah so utterly pointless then then yeah. they they blind her and mutilate her and it's just like what was like yeah. i think it it, it might have been a, look a better film you know if they did a hundred things but it, it might have been a better film if they left her out and maybe just like talked about her like you know what i'm saying like me mentioned her or maybe mentioned this book and just had it had her in the like the backdrop, you know what I'm saying? And had a yeah. new a new possession movie in the world of The Exorcist, right? Something like that. Like I don't know. Like I, I could have been at the table for this and come up with a bunch of ideas for this that did not include any of the bizarre choices that they made. Um, and then like just just some of the overall acting. Like I thought the. Um, the the girl who 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 doesn't make it I I really should know her name like her parents I thought were just very poor actors especially the dad like 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 remember the scene where like he, they first meet and it's like he's like racist dad and it's just like yeah totally like, really heavy handed yeah, yeah that was like, so yeah uh, what is that yeah. come on this is twenty twenty three is it nineteen fifty three I mean what is this it's like Come on, people. We can do better, as they say. As, as, as they say. Do better. Let's let's flip it, you know? We can do yeah, better. And you don't know these characters at all, so you don't really care. Um I agree. Leslie Odom Jr. is by leaps and bounds above everyone else here. Hmm. But no one in the cast has really given a lot to work with, I think. Um like you, this movie is just filled with half baked ideas that, that go nowhere. Like take for instance, the title is uh, Exorcist Believer. Right. Who's the believer? <laughs> yeah, what is totally. that? Hey, what's believer? What is that? I don't even like. What is is someone like 
in such vast disbelief here? Like, I don't, you know, I don't know. I, they, they hint at the, the, you know, the the father, Victor, not being into religion or, or, or anything like that. But it's not like an overall theme of the movie like it is, again, in the first one, uh, you, uh, one of the priests, uh, is it Father Karras? I was getting confused. Um, as having a crisis of faith. Karras, and you have, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you have... Uh, Jason Miller as Father Karras, the greatest yeah, Karras. Um, yeah, and you have uh, you know uh, Chris McNeil, who uh, whose daughter is possessed. She doesn't believe in any of this stuff. She's at her wit's end. She doesn't know what to do. She's desperate. She goes to the priest for help. Like for this to be called believer, it needed something like that. Someone needed to have some sort of spiritual transformation or mm. something. Yeah, but I don't really feel like like um, I mean, it was kind of there with with the father. But not enough. And anything else you liked, Mike and Jeff, about this? Like anything that like was like okay, yeah. I think I mean, we all like the beginning, like the you know the, the beginning was cool. Like the effects looked good, but mm -hmm. you know I just want to add to what Jeff was saying about the believer thing. I mean, even Father Karras in the in the first one didn't believe really. Like he was losing faith and even his faith. belief in God and his religion. Right. When he, because he was like, you know, at, at heart, he was, you know, he was a, a psychologist. Like, you know, he had a, a, was more of a man of science as opposed to spirituality. And he, 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 this whole rich background of him, maybe because he's Greek, you know, his mother kind of being like led into the priesthood, you know what I mean? Without maybe not have like having doubts about everything. Right. Not even really believing that exorcism is real or that even what Reagan was going through was real. But in this version of it, it's like, the exorcists are like, oh yeah, we got another exorcism job coming, you know, with it. Like, it's just like, you know, we got another one of these. So, you know, call Jimmy, you know, he'll he'll take care of it. <laughs> like, very, <laughs> like okay. oh yeah, run in the mill. We run into this all the time. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, well, that's the thing. I, I, I it, that sense of on like the realism of that. I mean, that's the thing that's captured in the first film in the original Exorcist, where it's like we live in a rational world something completely irrational is happening and everyone responds to that in a rational way. Yeah, obviously it's like some psychological problem or whatever. But in this one, right away, they jump to this like, you know, fanciful element to it, you know, and it's just, um, I, just I just didn't buy it. You know what I mean? It just it didn't, right. wasn't consistent with the vibe of one and three, you know? They tried to set it up as the neighbor to, uh, to uh, Victor's, uh, family that she's going to be like the mouthpiece like oh this is what's happening uh, yeah and it gets to that really yeah, man you know I, I mentioned who is the believer who is the exorcist <laughs> there's 17 of them there's like a whole crew <laughs> yeah. it's the Scooby what? you know I, I read this great um, this great take of the original uh, um, on a social media post or, or somewhere and I, I wish I saved it but I remembered it where the person said that uh, the Exorcist original is not a movie about a possessed little girl, and it's not even really about Reagan ultimately, and that uh, Pazuzu, although who had the run-in with Marin, Pazuzu was coming for Karis actually, and everything that happens to uh, Reagan is is you know, she's kind of like almost like the fodder. It's just mm -hmm. like. The demon comes through her because of her susceptibility, but ultimately that demon was gunning for Karis. And if you watch the movie, you can almost see it. 
with each time Karis visits the house and each time he he talks to the demon and the realizations and that, um, yeah, it was this really cool take about how Re Reagan was just like the, the, the vehicle for the demon to come for Karis. Karis was a priest who was losing his faith and that, mm. that was the demon's goal to get him, you know? He was lured in by Reagan. Reagan was had a you know divorced family, broken home. Uh, her mother was atheist. Reagan was not uh, baptized. Like there's all these very interesting things about Reagan, about how yeah. susceptible she was for possession. But ultimately, the demon didn't care if she lived or died, and just wanted Karis. So I I loved reading that actually. I That's that an interesting take. Yeah, That's really cool. Yeah, hmm. but I mean, yeah, the, the film is called The Exorcist. It's clear who the exorcist exorcists are in this like okay david gordon green this is like i'm starting to notice a pattern in his films of community like you have halloween um kills with the uh, evil dies tonight one of the fucking dumbest <laughs> yes, things i think we, we made our point about that but this is evil dies tonight part two basically because you have this posse who come together to to fight this theme this posse that has no real uh you know, dog in this fight, so to speak. They just these people at one point, like they're literally these people showed up in in his house. His neighbor brought over like a witch doctor. Um, okay, um, the the movie feels afraid to be overtly like Catholic or pro religion. Which I mean, I, I guess I'm an uh, an atheist myself. I'm not a religious person, but. The movie I seem to like not want to take the point of view that like this is a very Catholic story. It's yes. about exorcism. Yeah. Like it did yeah. not want to have that. Like it's like again, and like it's the movie's almost like made by committee. Like, oh, we can't have this, we can't have this. Like if we have a pro-Catholic thing, you know, people won't come see it. I think as it has to be a, a Catholic-centered movie. And hundred percent. Yeah, and you can make all kinds of comments on it, like William Freakin did in in the original. But this movie just seems afraid of that. And be like, every religion matters. Y you well, know, it was. I, I got thoughts on that too. I mean, I, okay, I, I, like like for example, uh, you know, around the Halloween season. Okay, now I saw some dullard online talk about All Saints Day. Um, some guy commented on something that my girlfriend paste, uh, posted on Facebook about Halloween, and this guy's like uh, some right wing, you know. Um, you know, uh, Christian Catholic sort of guy about All Saints right. Day and whatever. So, of course, I responded. I never respond to anything on Facebook. I never go on Facebook. I was like, yeah. not sure where you got your information from, pal, but like Halloween predates the Christian presence by 2,000 years. It's like a pagan thing, right, that the Christians may have overlaid their philosophy on, okay? So... My what I would like to have seen is like this demon being sort of um just an evil and hmm. any of these Christian beliefs, any of these Christian beliefs and Catholic Catholicism is like overlaid on top of something that's way more cosmic than just the Christian Christianity or Catholicism. Hmm. And that's what I mean. Like one of the when I first started watching this film, I was like, oh, these girls just they go into the woods and they disappear. And then they go into a cave and it's like, all right, cool. This is like some, you know, Hades and Persephone sort of trip, you know? And and I was hoping that's the direction they were going to take where it was like this kind of mythological evil, this cosmic evil that was 
um, possessing these two girls. And then mm. Christianity is just like um, a, like a way of trying to interpret and describe like what's actually going on. But of course the film doesn't go in that direction. You know what I mean? Mm. It goes into this very generic sort of run of the mill. And that's what I want to see. I want to see people do challenging stuff like that in movies, especially when you have a, a blank page like this, you're taking, I mean, Blatty's, uh, Blatty's like work is not necessarily Catholic. It's spiritual in a lot of ways, but it also casts a lot of doubts, especially in Legion about mm. Know, consciousness and mortality and the afterlife and all these things like it has like a very secular view on all that stuff and i think that's right. what this film would do would do something along those lines but it just doesn't you know it needed to be in smarter hands like uh you know and bloomhouse and and david gordon green i just don't think that was the right combination of people this almost feels like a shallow cash grab with with nothing to say uh yeah I, I think um, getting back to the Catholic thing, it's funny. Um, read this interesting uh, review of sorts. Uh, John Moldering of the, the Catholic Review noted that Friedkin's Watergate era picture was a straightforward confrontation between Reagan's tormentor and two Catholic priests. Uh, driving away the devil, by contrast, takes on the qualities of a circus in this film, promoting a uh, humanistic, vaguely anti-Catholic outlook that could be spiritually dangerous for anyone inclined to take it seriously. Um, yeah, if, if you if you look at the OG and you look at this, th th there's a stark difference, I feel like, where Jeff, I agree with you, where they almost wanted to be like, oh no, we we can't really make this about like God or, or the devil. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, right. they went for this, like, it, it came out hokey, you know, and schlocky. It yeah. didn't come out serious. Whereas... Ultimately, that first movie was one of the greatest advertisements for Catholicism ever. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, unintentionally, yeah. you know? Um, and what a great advertisement for, oh, my God, the devil is real and God is real. You know? You don't get any of that in this movie. No. God, no. Um, hmm. uh, yeah, you know, um, one, one of the themes I picked up on in the movie was was choice, that, that uh, which, again, undercooked. Uh, at the, the beginning of the movie, uh, Victor has to make a, a choice between saving his wife or his child. And, you know, you cut to 13 years later and obviously his child lived. And then uh, making a choice again shows up at the end again. And uh, it didn't make any sense. No, I don't want to give away the ending, but nothing about it really made any sense. No. At all. It just sort of ends and has this like, oh, glad that's over with kind of feel to it. <laughs> they should have called it the Exorcist. Sophie's choice, or <laughs> because Exodus believer, what's the, I don't, uh, yeah, it just it's it's an odd, odd title. Um, yeah, it, it, it nothing about this is fully thought through, it's uh, half assed ideas, uh, thrown on to uh, uh, you know, it feels like they had a title before they had anything else. I mean, you know, uh, man. I didn't have high just half baked for this. That's just half baked. Yeah. It's definitely yeah, half baked. Yeah. Half -baked. <laughs> but even with low expectations going into it, after seeing the reviews, after seeing the trailer, I, I still walked out like that was not even as good as my lowered expectations thought it would be. <laughs> um, it, what's the, the guy uh, uh, from uh, Rennie sent us the, the link, our quality control expert, Rennie Rosmini. Um, 
it's a it's a movie made by people who did not fundamentally understand the exorcist an exorcist movie made by people who did not fundamentally understand the exorcist sure totally true I, I can see how Gordon Green can do Halloween. He seems to understand how to make an effective slasher film. But The Exorcist requires so much more mm. than that. It's a different set of skills to make that kind of a horror movie, like an Exorcist kind of horror movie, than it is to make a Halloween movie. Martin Scorsese um, could have made a better Exorcist. Like, honestly, just like ooh. a serious director. Like, well, he loves horror. He loves The Exorcist. And that freaking was a friend. I mean... Think about it. Like the the director is so important, and Green was just I, he wasn't the guy for the job. Jeff, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Dude, imagine, imagine, imagine Abel Ferrara making. <laughs> yeah, how would that be? Would have Schooly D in the soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it would be infinitely more interesting than this. I'll say this about Exorcist too: as terrible as it is. It's a lot more interesting to watch because, man, they, they swung big on Exorcist 2 and they did not play it safe. It's almost admirable how fucking bad that movie is, how what a swing and a miss it is. But uh, this is just such a, a dull, flat, lifeless, spineless movie. <laughs> where, where, did you, uh, where did you guys watch this? Like, where, where um, did you... Did you stream it? Did you go to a theater? What was your 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 environment in watching this? My I kiddo, I went to uh, our sacred and profane Alpine Cinema in Bay Ridge. Where did you go, Jeff? Uh, I saw it at the Alamo Draft House in Austin uh, at one thirty in the afternoon on a Friday, and there was four other people in the theater. <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah, it was empty. Um, yeah. Uh, Draft House is my favorite movie theater in the world. I'll see anything if it's playing there. Uh, that mm. was the nicest experience part of the uh, the whole thing because the Draft House curates everything you see before the movie to the movie you're seeing. Like all the trailers were yes. possession movies, yeah, and they showed um, the SNL parody of The Exorcist with Richard Pryor. That's so great. <laughs> infinitely better than the movie I watched. <laughs> Yeah, there was I, I checked it out at the uh, the South Orange Performing Arts Center, which is a very nice experience. Um, it's nice. It's uh, I, I, I we we have um, we're boycotting the AMC. All I AMC. support this. They are a blight on the theatrical experience, hmm. and people should uh, never go to AMCs again. They have really come down in in quality and overall experience and uh, i will never step foot in another amc again so there you go wow yeah, yeah. The alpine in uh bay ridge which is where mike and i uh oh yeah <laughs> serbian film so serbian oh, film which was the that helped the uh, launch the ship so to speak many moons ago um <laughs> there was about maybe 10 people in the theater you know um there was no round of applause at the end, guys. There was no uh, <laughs> no round of applause. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> but uh, yeah, earlier before we hit hit record, I I remarked to the fellas, listeners, that although the movie's getting pretty panned everywhere, it has, believe it or not, gone on to make uh, one hundred and seven million dollars on a thirty million dollar budget. 
Uh, that is the worldwide gross, which, you know, I guess the studio is like, well, shit, thank God for that. I mean, nobody likes this movie. Uh, it's made $54 million in the U.S. and uh, 53 and change in other territories. Uh, I was very surprised to see those numbers, though, actually. Me too. Uh, I also am hearing rumblings, not hearing anything directly, but, you know, uh, articles that David Gordon Green is getting fired from the the next movie. He's not going to be directing it. Yeah. Um, some listeners may know that the whole idea behind this was pretty much just like Halloween, where there was going to be three theatrical films for this new franchise. But um, needless to say, that it was not the case. I mean, look, hey, at least Halloween, you know, made it out the gate theatrically amidst the COVID turmoil and, and whatnot. Um, and I obviously did infinitely better than, than this first one. Mm. You know, yeah, literally no one likes this. I've not read one positive thing about it. I've not talked to one person. I was like, oh, this is good. No one. I think the nicest thing I heard about it was someone went, oh, it wasn't that bad. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, Mike Hill. Mike Hill, I think you said the most positive thing. You yeah. said not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Not as yeah, bad. That, that was like pretty much it. Yeah, I, got, I have to kind of step lightly around this one. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But yeah, it's uh, it, it wasn't as bad. I, I really thought it was going to be a real turd, you know, and I mean, and it there were things about it that it was a good it was a good night out. Let's put it this way. You know, I went to there the you go. Art Center, you know, the people that were there were nice, you know, it was a nice dinner beforehand. It was cool. It was a nice <laughs> evening out. Like, yeah. as far as the film itself, not, not so much, you know. Mm, exactly. So you want to you do grades or, uh, you know, what our <laughs> ratings were? Yeah. You go first, Jeff. <laughs> I give it, I feel like giving it a half a star or a half a flaming skull. <laughs> yeah. Because it's not a zero. The acting, some of the acting is pretty good. But man, the, the more I thought about it, I, it, there's just nothing, nothing there. Okay, I'll be nice. I'll give it a one. Give it a one. Oh. Okay. Um, believe it or not, <laughs> there was a time when I walked out of the theater, maybe a few days, where I, I was almost like, you know what? Go see it. Maybe it's a maybe it's a three. Maybe. But now, after more thought and more deeper dives and whatnot, I'm giving it a score for me that is quite low, and it, it's it's getting a 2.5 for me. It's not really worth seeing. That 2.5 is mainly for the beginning of the film and the font of the, the credits. <laughs> it's the font. And, and the font. I like the font. Um, and... And, oh, show, and showing the two dogs, and for Leslie Odom Jr., that's that's where the two point five comes from. I I um, hope they put what you yeah. just said on the Blu-ray cover. <laughs> two point five stars, great fonts. Mainly, they need for the OG Exorcist font used in the title credits. Yes, there you go. Two point five. It's low okay. for me, man. That's low. Yeah, I give it a two, so, a solid two. Solid two. Yeah, wow. Yeah. I think uh, David Gordon Green needs to really rethink his career, and uh, <laughs> you know, maybe maybe he needed to read the the uh, the William Peter Blatty books before trying to do this film. I don't know if he even bothered to read any of the material 
Mm. And uh, just really needs to rethink what he's dealing with these remakes and or expansions on the universe. And I don't know, maybe he needs to go into a different line of work, I think, in my opinion, you know. He seems to have found his niche in the TV uh, stuff he does with Danny McBride with uh, yeah Eastbound and Down. That's and, great. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Righteous Gemstones. You know, he started out as an indie darling. I defended him on this podcast all the time. I love his first four films. And his career took a very weird direction of doing mainstream comedies. He seemed to be going back to his indie art house roots. And now he's the in-house, the bloom house, uh, you know, in-house director for these things. And it's, it's just, it's just very weird. Very weird. I'd like to see uh, Benson and Moorhead take a stab at doing an exorcist film. There hmm. you go. Yeah. Yeah. Give someone else a shot. Give someone else uh, who has an actual point of view. Uh, this the, the the next one like just something anything different. This is a huge, huge, huge miscalculation on everyone's part. Not anybody. The thing about it too is, yeah. I, I imagine some younger people they might think this is the Exorcist. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's the sad part about it. Yeah, agreed. Not agreed. any director can do a horror movie. I'm sorry. It just, I mean, if you're a comedy guy. Maybe stick with comedy. You know what I'm saying? Um, maybe look, not to say that you can't spread your wings, not to say that you don't have talent or whatever, but I don't know. Not sometimes being overly ambitious does not work out. Let's just say, you know. Yeah, this just just isn't in his wheelhouse, and there's there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, give it to someone who who has a a, a real grasp of this sort of. Uh, imagine Ari Aster made this, or yeah. Uh, you know, just anyone that has some, you know, just Gordon Green was the wrong guy for the job. You know, it happens. All right. And and there you have it for the Necromaniacs Halloween special. Uh, hopefully for the listeners, it was entertaining because we all did not like the movie. So, yeah, <laughs> usually it's uh, different, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope everyone has a fun Halloween. Uh, you yes. guys have any plans for Halloween coming up? No, Mike, not really. I'm oh, sorry. What's that, Jeff? Uh, no, I, I I interrupted you. I said I don't really have any plans, but uh, we live in the suburbs, so we're going to get trick-or-treaters. Uh, I'm excited about that. Uh, first time in, like, I don't know, 30-something years, I think I've seen uh, – I'll see trick-or-treaters so come come to my door. Um, nice. So that's exciting for me. <laughs> what about you, uh, Mike Scandato? I'll cut you off. I, I might – Stella and I might go see The Damned at, at Irving Plaza or perhaps either uh, Devil Master uh, is playing at um, Vitus, which is maybe – I don't know. Try, trying to figure out on Halloween night. Halloween night is a weeknight this year, which, you know, kind of sucks. But uh going to figure it out. What about you, Hill? Well, Sunday night, Toombs is playing uh, – in Long Island with Restless hmm. Spirit and it's kind of a Halloween sort of thing and it's yeah. uh, the Restless Spirit uh, record release celebration for their record uh, After Image and uh, there might be a couple of surprises to that show you know since it's Halloween season nice. and on Halloween uh, Tina and I are going to see Halloween in a movie theater oh awesome and nice it's going to be a lot of fun yeah like we have like uh, matching Halloween sweaters and uh, we're we'll not wearing that. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I awesome. did that years ago. I can't remember what theater that I saw Halloween on Halloween. 
maybe eight, nine years ago, somewhere in the city. That was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Love to so see it on the screen. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a nice theater. It's uh, some out here in Jersey somewhere. Uh, she she made all the arrangements for it. It's going to be fun. And uh, yeah, everyone, you know, everyone enjoy the, enjoy the Halloween season. It was uh, October is my favorite month of the year. Yeah. You know, and um, stay safe and hail Satan. <laughs> Take care, everybody. <laughs> Bye, Bye, guys. Later, man. Guys, take care. Bye-bye. Yeah, I always tell everybody this story about when I was a kid. Yeah, when you, I, you must have been about six or seven, we went to the drive-in. Yeah. And we really didn't know what the story was about. But then Michael was in the back seat, and it was getting really scary. <laughs> and he watched it, though. He liked to watch it. And the boat, when we came home, we were afraid of the attic. We yeah, that's right, the attic. Because there was a scene in the attic where we thought yeah, that, we, you know. Oh, the, that's, we were afraid of the attic. And, yeah. And it, uh, did you get nightmares? I don't remember. Probably, right? Yeah, you probably had yeah. nightmares. <laughs> and Michael used to sleep with me because he used to be afraid. Aww. But You didn't know it was a horror movie, The Exorcist? Mom? I didn't know, Michael. What do I know? Your mother's a dope. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> but I anyway, but you like The Exorcist, all right? You know what movie I even like? The Omen. That's yes. a great one, yeah. That's a great yeah, one. The, the first one is really good. The second one was, eh. yeah. And the third one stunk. Yeah. Well, after a while, they don't. Yeah. They're they're not so I good. I think when they make too many sequels, it becomes. Yeah. I like that one too. What What about the other Exorcist sequels? Do you like any of those? You know, Michael, I don't know if I ever saw Exorcist 2 or whatever. It's not worth checking. No, it's no good. That the one you said was no good. That one was no good. The third one is really good. That the one you went to see a few weeks ago, right? Well, a while ago, me and Rennie went to go see it down in Philly. Like one month ago. Yeah, yeah. A while back, we went to go see it. Come on, TV. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it still called The Exorcist? It's called The Exorcist 3. 3? Yeah, watch 1 and 3. Because they're those are the ones that are like you know they're good. In fact, I think when I put the TV on last night, one of the things popped up was The Exorcist. Yeah, I think no. <laughs> it's, it's you know it's Halloween, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> one, two, three. <laughs> Hello, hello,